0: Welcome to Outwitting the Manipulator, the podcast that gives you powerful techniques to protect yourself as manipulation is taking place. Now, here are your hosts, authors, and communication experts, Robin Galinsky and Dr. Dennis Becker.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. We are Hi, happy. Everyone. In- We'd like to introduce. Our guest. We have a guest with us today. And her name is Allison Kurt. And Allison hopefully will come on screen provided technology works. There she is.
2: There she Hi. is. Hi, Allison.
1: How are you
3: guys doing? Can you see me okay?
1: I we want... can. Awesome. Can you see Did and you hear see us? Because this is always an important thing. Oh, yep. awesome. Good. Awesome. So, Allison, I know you and I, we've talked a lot on the phone and we still have yet to meet in person. But Allison has had some experience similar to mine, actually, very similar to mine with, you know, a family member and a chosen family member, I'll say, without revealing anything you don't want to reveal. And please don't, we don't have to use any names. But Dennis and I had sent you over some questions just to review and think about, but you can share whatever you think will be helpful and we'd just like to learn more about your experience with manipulation, what you've learned, and and what you are learning as you go along with uh, manipulative relationships.
3: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I do have a family member who has some narcissistic tendencies, actually. I, I wasn't even aware of such a thing. I was so used to it. It was the condition I grew up in. So mm-hmm. I... I didn't know any better. You know, when somebody's manipulating your whole life and not letting you seek your own truth, you basically think that's normal, right? So,
2: yeah.
3: I, yeah, yep, I, I was seeking external validation all the time. I, I was mm-hmm. never, never be good enough in their eyes. So I was yeah. invisible, carrot to be perfect for everybody else except me hmm. That's tough. Mm-hmm. And I say that because a lot of times if you're a narcissist, you attract narcissism or someone who manipulates you, you have codependent tendencies, you know, this need to make everyone else around you happy. Right. So when I was young, until the age of five, my father was an alcoholic. So I grew up walking on eggshells and blaming this external reality that I'm the fault of the drinking, right? So that's what kids do in that situation. And because I was, I was watching my mother's interaction, you know, she was suppressing me. And, and I'll, I'll say that's the narcissist in my life. My mother was suppressing me. My brothers were like gods. And I was just there to be at the whim of everyone else. So I was always being like, I was the clown of the family, right? To keep the peace and keep the happiness. So I was buddy. Yeah, I was being manipulated, and any time I shined, there was always these backhanded compliments to keep me in check, and I didn't know any better. And that's, can you give, give us an example because that's perfect. I feel like there's these underlying things like, oh, you'll never be rich enough, you're not smart enough, it's always to keep you in check. Yeah, it's a way to press, you know, and, and keep you at their women, like you're like the slaves to them. Because you don't yes. know
2: mm-hmm.
3: somebody you love is telling you these things. As a child, you believe them. At what age, Allison,
1: were you when you realized or you started to get a a clue that something wasn't quite right?
3: I think when I I was engaged when I was 24 years old and I went to the therapist and they said, tell me about your mother. and I go, my mother? What does my mother have to do with it? And they were really shocked that the stories my mother was telling me about my worthiness. Tr- mm mm-hmm at such a young age I still didn't have inherent worthiness there was never going to be enough level for me to have her approval yep mm-hmm. that's right that's right. right that's how it works talked when he was like sounds like your mother is being really cruel to you and I was like Mom? no my mother loves me my mother I was mm-hmm. at, I was defending her I had this mm-hmm. story that my mother loved me like really loved me it was a good mother she played the modern role mm-hmm. a lot, you know.
1: Oh yes, and that's a that's actually a very common thing to happen as they age. As a narcissist mm-hmm. ages, they use their health as another mm-hmm.
3: tactic. Or I did this for you, and I did that for you, and yeah, yes, yes, and we say so you so guilty, and we there's so much underlying. In codependency, which is related to narcissism and being manipulated, there's so much shame. You haven't done wrong. I always like to explain people the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is you've actually done something wrong, like, right? So your body inherently says, I lied, I cheated. You know, you get this feeling, but shame is you've done nothing wrong and you feel like you've done something wrong. That's an excellent Mm -hmm. distinction. That's really helpful studied it and the work we've done together has really helped me see the patterns so i'll give you a recent example my mother i was having lunch with her and this is the fourth time she's brought up my religious beliefs and said oh your religion and i said but mom you know what they are why do you keep questioning them and immediately this is what they'll do when when you call truth on them when you speak Mm -hmm. truth she goes i'll get up right now and leave this restaurant like how (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) Oh. <laughs>
3: yep. yeah. That was. She was attacking mm-hmm. me. You're not even allowed yeah. knowledge. They're attacking you. You
1: know. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all are right. so
3: good,
1: aren't they? Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. And then once you see it, like you are seeing it now, Allison, you can't unsee it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then it's hard. Then this began. Did you say? Did you say this began? Or you began to notice it around age five? I think all that started at a very early age.
3: I think. I have a view of my mother being this beautiful, motherly. And then I, some point around five or six, the energy changed a lot. I wow. think what happens from zero to seven, we're in like theta state in our mind. It's a psychological sure. term. Literally, you're absorbing yep. everything around you. After seven, you start questioning things. That's right.
1: Yes. That's exactly right, yep. Allison. If and you- it's, they don't like you anymore <laughs> after that. That's right. Up until then, you're just adoring. You're just an adoring child who's just, like you said, just there at their whim. But then you start having your own thoughts, and boy, they don't like you.
2: It's interesting you mentioned religion because without mentioning it, I'll tell you that there is a very prominent religion in the world today, which, oh boy, hundreds of years, hundreds of years ago, they proclaimed, you give me a child from birth to age seven. And I'll tell you what that child will be the rest of their life because those early years are so impressive. And why do they say age seven? Why not till age 17? Why? Because as you mentioned, Ellis, Ellis, it, it, it seven or eight is the age of reason, so to speak. And you start to question, you start to ask, you start to doubt sincerely. I mean, not in a nasty way. You really want to understand things. It sounds like that's what happened to you.
3: Absolutely. And I think my whole life, I've had a very strong connection with myself or God or source, whatever you want to call to it. And my mother was very threatened by that. So that is, for me, mm-hmm. my connection to my higher self or God is my truth, right? And she doesn't mm-hmm. don't want you to ever be aware of your truth. No, mm-hmm. no,
1: because no, it's yours.
2: Oh, it's yours. Right.
3: <laughs> you can't
1: have anything. She, oh. you know, your property to her.
3: Yeah. So, of course, I'll fast forward 20 years or into my 30s. Of course, I married a narcissist. because yeah. I, I thought oh, that oh. was very comfortable, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with my ex-husband, it was a little bit different. He was very manipulative in the beginning. I didn't see it because I, I tend to see the best in people. And but yeah, I didn't see. I'm just reflecting on that right now. Sorry. I, I I saw the best and I kept seeing the red flags and I kept ignoring the red flags because I really, to see the best in, in him, mm-hmm. see that this, mm-hmm. nah, see you with this, but it was really an illusion. What were, what
1: was and they the count on that.
2: They, they count, did count on, on, that. on that. They count on that. They count on that, that what they give you, in quotes now, I'm putting air quotes there, what they give you, they think you want and need. And maybe at the moment, to a certain extent you do. And you don't recognize where that, where that where that path is heading but you eventually saw it I guess is that right
1: well over time it's you start to recognize there's a pattern and I'm just wondering for you Allison when was that that you you know there's usually there might be one moment or just you just realize oh my gosh this is a pattern like if you can describe how that what that process was like for you or how you got the courage to change to you know It's not easy, right? I mean, I think I spent 12 years trying to undo my relationship with my ex-husband before I I finally snapped.
3: For me, what happened is after I got my divorce and separation, I really needed to understand how did this all come about? I said, this can't be. I'm a very kind Mm -hmm. person, loving. I'm very forgiving. Why? How did I attract this? And, you know, you're really going to go back and look at your childhood. And the therapist said, Mm -hmm oh, well, it's a narcissist. I was like, oh God, what's that? And she explained to me, and I said, wow, that's exactly who she is. And and then, well, that's how you attracted a man like that. You know, that's what you, mm-hmm. that was your love language. And, you know, I didn't choose that, but that's all I've ever known, you mm-hmm. know?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Unfortunately, I had to go back and piece, be- piece together, because I'm an engineer, how did this happen? The cause and effect, you know? Yes, mm-hmm. methodically. Absolutely. I really wanted. to know those tendencies and make sure it never happened again, that I would never be with a man like that. So so can you give us maybe
1: some things that you, decisions you've made that are going to make it that difference for you
3: now? It comes back to, if you're a codependent and you, and you suffer from like unworthiness and shame, you have to build a foundation of self-love and you have to get your results. So codependents go externally for all approval. They don't have any self sovereignty. They don't have any of their own approval, their own love. It's always an external kind of validation. So mm-hmm. I to
2: stop
3: seeking externally. It's like any other drug. They like the drug of choice. It could be, you know, shopping, overeating, drinking. For codependence, it's this drug of approval mm-hmm. external approval. So I had to like cut myself off. You're not getting that externally anymore. You have to get that from yourself. That's excellent. Well, that doesn't sound easy mm-hmm. either. No, Uh,
2: Mm -mm.
3: it isn't. So I really had to take a step back from all relationships and have a full on relationship with me. What do I think? What do I feel? What do I believe? Where do these beliefs come? I questioned everything. And it's a a relationship of self-awareness is what actually you need to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, You're striking a chord with me because I remember the therapist asking me how I felt in couples counseling. And I was unable to answer the question. Every time the words would come out of my mouth, it would be my ex husband's name and what he was thinking, what he was feeling. And he was like, I'm asking about you. And I, it was, that was one of those moments where everything shifted because I realized I had no, I, I had no sense of self. I had no idea how I felt about anything because I needed somebody to tell me how I felt. That's all I've ever known, like you, Allison. But anyway, I wanted you to continue because this is really
2: helpful. Good stuff you're giving yeah. us,
3: and I apologize, Michael. the background. I, oh, that's okay. Doubly. So,
2: yeah, cats can be very manipulative.
3: Yeah, interactive. Um, I, my journey looked like spending a lot of time in yeah. nature and getting to know myself. I said, "We are going to know each other. We're going to figure this out." And I had to become my own best friend. Really, that's amazing. That's not easy. No, it wasn't. It took all my courage not to listen to what society said was right for me, but to listen to what I needed for me.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of courage. mm -hmm. And did you feel so then as you went through that? I mean, what what comes up? What what I'm wondering is, you know, those demons, you know, you know, like at night, especially if you're alone, you can be haunted by the demons the negative voices, the negative everything, the questioning, you know, how, how did you, how in the more vulnerable moments did you muster the strength through it?
3: I had to trust myself. And everything that was difficult in my life, I always went back to what's in my best interest. And that takes getting quiet and that takes introspection. And I, I meditate every day and I spend time in nature. I, the only way I could really hear and silence all the other voices of fear. And just to give you an example, in one year, I moved from London to Boston. I had my daughter, my father died three days after she was born, and I got a divorce. That's amazing to go through. And that's within a a lot of transition. Mm. And that's very difficult for any human being. So I I went through the extreme. And when you go through Mm. something at something in you wakes up, it's like it cracks you open, you know? Yes. Really start to rely on yourself because you realize what got you to that point of those harsh situations wasn't working. And that was the external validation, listening to other people's opinions, not validating myself, betraying myself to keep other people happy. I I love the way you said that, betraying yourself
1: to keep other people happy because I've been talking a lot about how People are complicit in their own manipulation. It cannot take place unless you are complicit. but you but, know an innocent child doesn't know they're being complicit. they think they're just doing trying to get love, so that's where it gets really confusing for people like you and me We're marinated in it from birth it gets it's It's harder, but then once you start to realize that you're betraying yourself by being complicit, whoops we lost her.
2: No, her cat just turned the computer in a different direction.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll just finish that thought while she gets back on. It's, it's, that's the hardest thing of all because you can't hide or run from yourself. So when you face the fact that you've lied to yourself, I was just finishing that thought, Allison, where you, you feel like when you realize you've lied to yourself, when you realize you've betrayed yourself, there's nowhere to run or hide. Cause you're you, you're with you. And a lot of people will run and hide by taking drugs, by drinking a lot, by like you said, all the other things, shopping, sex, all the other things that they do, getting nine pets, you know, or whatever. But there is so much to be gained by forgiving yourself for that and yeah. recognizing. I, it.
3: I always oh. say. People don't even, like most people that are in a narcissist relationship, things will get bad because you're betraying yourself. So eventually nature will work its way out because we're not meant to not love ourselves. We're not meant to betray ourselves, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I really believe the universe will work its way. It never works out in those relationships. That's That's right. Worse and worse and worse. So that's right. And it's really hard to bear witness to other. Well,
1: we lost her again. It's really hard so. to bear He's witness. Here. Oh, there she is. Okay. All right. It it's like, really cutting out. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. It's when you when you do realize that and you do heal from it and then you witness other people who insist on doubling down and putting their blinders on and staying in a relationship like that, that's, that's also very challenging because and- you can't save other people. Like you said, you have to come to it on your own.
3: One thing I'd like to add, which is really important to any listeners, is that when we are in a manipulative relationship in our body, we feel this energy that keeps us from speaking our truths. So, excuse me, my kids. That's okay. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, that's right. You do feel it. And actually, you get sick from it. I mean, Why? Body. Yeah, I was it, in my late 40s, and I I look older than I look now. 20 years later, when I look at pictures of myself when I was at the end of that relationship, it was killing me, absolutely killing me, slowly.
2: Allison, I want to I want to ask you a slightly related question, but a little bit different. What? How did other people factor into all of this? Did you find other people who were helpful to you? Do you currently find? Like, um, confiding, socializing with others helpful to you? Once you attain that awareness, which you describe, what was the relationship you had with other people and were they perhaps helping the manipulator in some way or, had, or were you we able to call them out? Or, what, that, what happened to your relationships once you became aware of this?
1: Whoops, hold on. Okay, say it, say it from the beginning, Alison, because it, was, it wasn't.
3: I set up boundaries with people. I started to look at every relationship with my life and I saw a thread of narcissism. My best friend, hopefully she doesn't see this, but my mm-hmm. long and and other people in my life, I would see where I was playing that role. And then I had to mm-hmm. sit back and say, why, what am I getting from this relationship? They're not giving back what I'm giving, right? So I'm betraying myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not loving myself. And I started to put space everybody and i really recommend that to people you almost have to take an internal retreat with yourself yes and look at all mm-hmm. your life that's if an excellent point any
1: <laughs> you have to get perspective and you can't get perspective with the manipulator chirping in your ear you have to get distance
3: if you live with them you have to get out of the house yes have have yeah. space for yourself
2: yeah, yeah. i'm I mean, so was, glad you brought I, you that mean, up You mean that physically, literally get out of the house? I mean, you you need to create physical space.
3: You do because your energy body, not just your physical body, the energy body reacts in their their presence. So you can feel and you keep like the pattern, the program keeps running. Even without words, the energy body is in the program. That's so true.
2: That's very true. That's so true.
1: I can't even tell you that's such a good point
2: to bring up. A a name you may recognize is uh, Eckhart Tolle. And he talks about the energy body. He refers to it as the pain body. And that every one of us has a pain body around us and within us. And when you have one, you have your pain body. We all have our own things. But when someone else has a pain body and you get too close to that, their pain body becomes your pain body. And so it's really important for you to recognize First of all, the self-awareness that you have this and this is the way you are and this is what it is. But then to recognize that there may, may be others in your sphere who have pain bodies. And those are the people I don't think I want to... You probably want to stay away from those folks. So your ability to discern that and to identify the narcissism or whatever it is in them is really very important so that you don't feel compelled to interact with those kinds of folks.
3: You'll feel it in your
2: Pain bo- body.
3: Yeah, you'll feel it you in do. your body. You do. Yes. And and
1: that's actually on the app. We have Dennis has a meditation that's a visualization of a a protective bubble, which helps. Right. Because sometimes you can't get away from the person you you do need. there. You have to maybe it's your boss or something like that. But visualizing yourself in a protective bubble actually works. You've got nothing to lose. Right. If you hate the woo woo and you don't believe in it, you don't have to believe in it for it to work.
3: It takes 30 seconds. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, anytime you're in their presence, you have to have some type of force field or a bubble right. or yes. light, anything right. that allows you. But it will be difficult to be in their energy, actually. It will take time until you build that inner strength. Yes. like get grounded in yourself so your energy is internal, not external, where they can grab it.
2: That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's
3: why we talk
1: about how subtle all of this is with the communication. There's an energy aspect and we don't talk a lot about it, but it's just as powerful as mm-hmm. the word. Well, the words have energy. They have a vibration. Everything does. So yes, mm-hmm. they do. They get in. They permeate your energy. They got little barbed hooks. They get in there and they stick with you. The stuff that they say, they get in your head and that's toxic and erosive.
2: And it's- it's, it's very real and very strong. A good manipulator knows how just by standing near you, saying nothing, they know they can impact yeah. the way you feel way, at that moment. So you're absolutely right about the energy forces and fields. So we don't talk too much about it, but we've all experienced it when you feel somebody standing behind you and like, why? What do you want? We all know that feeling. That's what manipulators are really good at. Just sometimes just standing there. You're being in the room. Doesn't have to be real close. Maybe they're in the same room, but they want you to know that they're there because yeah. that's their effort to control the momentum of that very moment. So you're very wise about that, Allison. That's correct.
3: The last thing I wanted to mention is for all the mothers out there because mothers of who are with manipulators, typically there will be a child that kind of represents that. So... Well to be aware that you don't create that manipulation situation with your children. Oh, that's mm, a good point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yes. That's a very good point. Yes,
1: and, and that's not do. easy either.
3: <laughs>
2: it's it, no, it's not easy. It's it's easy to make that mistake, so I'm really glad that you yeah. mentioned that. Have you have you learned that anything about that or what have you learned about that with your own child?
3: I learned that especially as a codependent, we typically don't like negative reactions from our children. There to please and make sure they're happy and content. And it creates like discomfort in our body when they're crying, when they're unhappy. So they can start to manipulate us. Yes.
2: Uh, Yes.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) They learn quickly how to
3: do that. Yeah. Especially. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Like in a marriage situation, right. With a father and mother. Yeah. Yeah. They leverage the other.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that's
1: unfortunate. I'd been in that same. Situation, and, and and it's it's very difficult.
2: I think all very of us difficult. who have had kids, if you've had kids at all, folks, if you're listening to us out there, if you've had children, you've probably been manipulated at some point because we feel like, it. I know, Mikey, I have four kids. My kids, I probably not. I think about it now in retrospect, but when they were younger, and I don't know whether they knew what they were doing. I suspect they did sometimes. They knew darn well how to manipulate my behavior or. or mother or dad's behavior they do but so even beyond that dennis thing.
1: what she's saying is that the other parent who is the manipulator uses the child oh, yeah. oh sure oh of
2: course and of it course. makes There's... it
1: very difficult yeah. because yeah. you know you've got the well-being of the child and they don't care about the well-being of the child they no. care no, about no, no. winning at a, uh you know yeah. winning whatever winning is to them and it makes it very, very, very challenging and difficult. I, I was, so my youngest was 11 Allison when I went through my divorce and my oldest was 17. I was flat out honest with them about the situation and what narcissism is and educated them. And it was the best thing I could do because it's very easy. By the way, it doesn't take a lot of work to turn a teenage girl against their mother. Not, not, not a lot of work at all. <laughs> it's really quite easy. And I was really scared of that because I knew that their job was to rebel against me and that was just going to be leveraged.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's not easy, but that's why we're all here doing this right now is to help create awareness, build strength, give you tools. Allison, I'm so, it does, it, it's not always easy to come on. I really appreciate you. I'm really grateful for you, um, to share, you know, and this will be our podcast. So we will send it to you. I really. Oh, wonderful. Think-
3: Dennis, you're it's, having grateful great to see you live in person.
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad to see you so strong and healthy and what great, yeah. what great advice you gave everyone. Really great
2: insights. Really. I'm sure there are a lot of people who haven't thought about it the way that you've expressed it, Alison. So it was really, really, very helpful. I'm sure to what to us and to, I'm sure to a lot of our listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing this.
3: Thank you guys. Have a good night. You
2: too. All right.
3: Bye Allison
1: And everybody out now. there, you, um, we will be around we'll be doing another episode but for now please go to outwit in real time to find out how you can connect with us how you can get our book you can listen to the podcast you can download the app and we thank you for your time and attention and look forward to the next time robin galinsky and dennis becker saying bye for now
0: Thank you for being with us today on today's episode of Outwitting the Manipulator, Protecting Yourself in Real Time. Robin and Dennis are seasoned communication experts, not medical or therapeutic professionals. The thoughts and opinions expressed are their own. If you, a loved one, or a friend are in an abusive or controlling relationship, you will find additional resources in the show notes for today's episode. Their book, Outwitting the Manipulator, Protecting Yourself in Real Time is available on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle. We invite you to be with us again next time and Robin and Dennis will discuss ways of Outwitting the Manipulator, Protecting Yourself in Real Time. Audible.